2: Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing esports coaching. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Ivan O.G. King Kurt Curtis. O.G. King Kurt is an on-air caster, motivational speaker, and the current head coach and general manager for Nets Gaming, the Brooklyn Nets NBA 2K League franchise. Kurt is also the co-founder of the iconic NBA 2K independent event organizers, the MBPA. Prior to joining Nets Gaming, he was a former draft scout and player analyst for Bucks Gaming. He's also the co-host of Esports Extra Show with SNY TV reporter Larry Ridley and also hosts his own gaming and lifestyle podcast, the OG Two Cents Podcast. He's been featured on many top publications, Including Complex Magazine, The Undefeated, The Score, Dayton Daily News, Nets Daily, and Operation Sports. Kurt, thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me. I'm glad
2: to be here. My pleasure, yo. So to briefly introduce, you know, esports coaching in the 2K scene, the NBA 2K League is one of its first-of-a-kind newly emerging f- esports franchise leagues. In particular, the league was formed by Take Two which is the game developer, and the NBA, which is the first professional sports league that actually created their own eSports organization. The league just finished their third season. The first season draft was at Madison Square Garden. Second season draft was at Barclays Center. And the Washington Wizards team actually just won season three. So there are currently 23 teams in the league, including the eSports organization's Gen G's Shanghai team. So the gameplay is a 5v5 format with each player's team's house and market. They're paid a minimum salary, provided health and dental and other benefits. And then they even have chances for tournament winnings. So in addition to this whole 2K um, professional league, there's a competitive 2K pro-am scene. Since there's no real official NBA 2K minor league or other amateur development system, many unaffiliated competitive or comp leagues Created by third parties, were operated and created these new tournaments within the system. So, these kind of leagues have individuals creating their own rosters where they compete against other rosters, awarding prizes, compiling stats, and giving out player awards. And one of these, you know, very distinguished leagues is the My Player Basketball Association. In fact, season one of the NBA 2K league. 15 of the 17 players drafted in the first round were actually participants in this league. Forbes mentioned these kind of leagues as kind of feeders, for the NBA 2K league. And the league is actually even growing with an international presence with Bayern Munich's Bayern ballers and a big, large FIBA tournament that different NBA 2K teams from a bunch of different countries competed. So, you know, the comp scene is really kind of growing. Now we know a bit more about the NBA 2K league and, the pro-am scene around it. Tell us a bit about your previous eSports experience.
3: Well, as you mentioned uh, with the My Player Basketball Association, that was kind of my intro to eSports without even knowing it. Um, This being an organizer uh, and running tournaments and leagues uh, for NBA 2K uh, just came natural to me. I I participated um, in a lot of you know, actual physical basketball as a coach, uh, head coach, assistant coach uh, in AAU, high school, middle school, uh, pretty much all levels, boys and girls. And I just had a knack for it. And it was just something I loved. I loved the game. I loved basketball. And actually, it being a sim sport, uh, it's relatable uh, to a lot of people. Um, so, as time, you know, as time elapsed uh, with NBA 2K, um, they grew the my, the my player feature in the game and upgraded it uh, to the Pro-Am level and kind of gave us, you know, sports lovers, uh, something really to look forward to each and every year with being able to, you know, create teams uh, formulated into leagues and tournaments and just being able to compete. Uh, My thing was just having a platform where people can actually have a proven ground and not just walk around and, and, and say they're the best, but they actually had to prove it. Um, So in doing that uh, over the years, um, that's that was my intro uh, before I became the general manager and head coach for an SGC. So how did
2: like the MBPA kind of form? Like how did all this comp community just start?
3: Uh, It was some other leagues uh, around before the MPBA. um, And basically, I just started working in in one, uh, which was the ABL. And at the time. I found them through searching a, a, a multiple gaming forms uh, for 2K and just stumbled across it. And uh, as I got more into the playing in the league, I got into the, um, in the administration side uh, quick, fast and in a hurry because I, I just like I said, it was just something I like to do. And um, I just had a vision and, and, I, and I ran with it. And in the process, I started playing in the other leagues, uh, the SBA, uh, where I met Tawan Farley. And uh, Lawrence West, uh, we were all players, uh, but LT, he worked as an admin in the um, SBA. And he basically, um, you know, when we crossed paths, he he had the idea of starting a league. And he basically um, said, you know, Kurt, I could uh, create a better league than all the leagues. And I was like, well, you know, if that's what you want to do, I'm here to help. And uh, so basically, we put together him and uh, Lawrence West, um, their marketing skills and, and just getting into the chats and uh, being able to talk to a lot of the top players, let them know we were starting the league. And me, I was more on the operational side and just getting everything in order. And uh, once we put all those powers together, it kind of took off from there. So you're talking about in these chats, where were these conversations happening? Where are these comp players kind
2: of congregating?
3: uh and those chats uh basically um obviously, with the top players, they used it as a communication tool um to match up and, and play against each other, but not only that, just share uh information that helped make them uh better players so, was so there were twitter it. chats what what form of oh uh, yeah the big I, you know the biggest um app that everybody used then was um we started on well we were on facebook but the actual chats were like in groupme chat uh, okay. everybody used that pretty heavy uh back then i doubt if anybody uses it now i think we've we've grown uh, over the years uh we went from facebook uh to groupme uh the Twi- you know obviously groupme and twitter kind of go hand in hand but uh, i think now everybody's pretty much upgraded to discord which is uh i think i think that's great because Arguably, Discord is the most popular um, communication channel uh, for gamers. Uh, So I'm glad that we've all pretty much uh, got on one level, so to speak.
2: Okay, so I think that's really interesting that there was kind of this community online of people that love the game and wanted to kind of play against the best. And that's kind of how a lot of these other esports and other games competitive scenes started. You know, I've talked to Street Fighter players and, you know, just the other games where it's like, you think you're the best amongst your friends you're you know you're beating everyone online in matchups, so who are the other kids that's doing that, and how do I play against them and you know what do I learn from getting beat by a kid, and how do I get better to beat him so you know I think it's interesting that this whole community kind of developed through really the internet, and from there, they were able to translate to the point where you know you're the coach of a team, and you know the other people you mentioned are coaches of teams and A lot of the players that were kind of playing with you back then, five years later, are now playing for Nets and Heat and you know Lakers and all these professional NBA 2K franchises.
3: No, correct. That's one of the uh, highlight moments that I've always talked about in season one. Um, Just being at the draft and you're sitting in the green room with a lot of players um, that you've basically watched grow. Over the years, um, when we started uh, the MPBA, you know, back in 2014, 15, and then here we here there we were in 2017, you know, watching players actually walk across the stage and get drafted, and and now you're able to to put faces with gamer tags and be able to have con- actual live conversations, and uh, a lot of the players thanking you over the years for. Uh, creating a platform because the, you know the one thing with the mpba our thing was beyond the competition was just to be able uh to promote players and and actually what they were doing and it didn't matter um if you were quote unquote a big name or not um if you put in the work and you know you competed and you had the numbers uh we were going to highlight you in, you know in our own article, our newspaper articles our magazine covers and and uh, be posted on our website. So it was something that we took pride in other than just, you know, teams and players just playing against each other. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the
2: important part is you add the accolades and the stats and kind of the history creates this lasting impression where it's like, oh, wow, like I want to make the all-star team or, you know, last season's champs, we want to beat them. You kind of create these rivalries and these kind of going forward storylines.
3: No, without a doubt, um, definitely a lot of people look forward to, you know, making all MPBA teams or, you know, the MVP, of course, uh, different uh, awards that we came with, came up with over time. It was something that we grew, um, took pride in having, you know, statistics where um, players could actually chart uh, what they did from one season to the next. And even um, as an overall career stat wise. So it was um it's a fun time. Uh, it actually was. It was something we kind of, we used to just eat, drink, sleep, and breathe at the MPBA. And uh, to to be uh, where we are today, uh, I, I just truly, it was just a testament of uh, us believing uh, in, in what we were doing. And just having fun with it and doing it for the love of the game. And uh, here we are uh, at, at the next level uh, in the NBA 2K League.
1: Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and champion futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
2: So when did you kind of like see like, oh, wow, we have something great? What was this like big mo- moment where you just kind of grew and everything just
3: kind of went to that next level? Is there anything that kind of like stands out to you? Yeah, I think in the first couple seasons, seasons, uh, we didn't have stats or anything. We just kept up with wins and losses. And it was more the familiar p- players that we were uh, used to competing with from other leagues. But as we got into like season three and beyond, Uh, that's when the bigger name players started coming in and uh, actually appreciating what we were doing and that they were promoting it. You know, Dimes uh, was one of the first uh, big players, big-name players to come in and started playing. And uh, from that point, it just took off uh, from Dimes to JT to O'Larry to all Hell Trey. I mean, the list uh, Mm -hmm. goes on and on and on. You know, O'Fab, you know, watching those players just – you know, dominating then uh, seeing them go on. It, it was, I think those were, that was the, pretty much the highlight moments. We went from familiar faces, uh, to, un- to, to top tier level players. And, um, you know, I think at that point it was like, I think this is a, a good place, uh, to cultivate talent and, and, and it migrated up and up and coming players to come over. Cause they knew they had a chance to play against top players. And if you're really competitive, uh, that's what you want to do. You don't want to just be uh, playing against, you know, competition that you know that you can you, you can thrive on. Uh, you want to you want to play against the the, the names and, and, and the players and the teams and stuff like that. And uh, I think that pretty much helped us, you know, go over the top.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely kind of led to the next chapter in your voyage. And you know, we're going to discuss that a little bit. So tell us a little bit about being an NBA 2K week head coach. You know, what's your day-to-day like? You know, what are practices like?
3: I'd say, like, for me, um, of course, that's what I call dream work. Uh, It's kind of the combination of me when I say dream work is doing ideally what you love and, and getting paid to do it. And then the other aspect of it is being in the right place. Uh, to do what you love and get paid for it. So uh, for me, it's been great. Uh, Brooklyn has been uh, phenomenal in, in how they've treated me and, and helped me grow uh, professionally uh, and even uh, personally at times because it's a very family-oriented organization, And uh, but still with a twist of, uh, you know, everybody's expected to come in and do their job at a high level. I'm pretty much... A, it varies for a lot of people, but for me, obviously, I'm the, the general manager and the head coach. Me personally, when people ask me about my title, I'll I pretty much most of the time say general manager more than coach uh, because of the fact that these players, um, yeah, I, I'm, they probably do learn some things from me from time to time, uh, more so uh, off the, the virtual court than the virtual court, but. Um, So I I pretty much take pride in just running a day-to-day of um, helping the brand grow, participating in multiple uh, meetings uh, per day uh, with sponsors, potential sponsors, and different things of that nature. Um, Aside from now, uh, in my first season, I had Nicholas Gartrell, who uh, was a business operation assistant at the time, um now he's recently uh, been promoted head coach for T-Wolves gaming so you know big hats off to him but now I had YL who was just strictly uh social media manager uh, the first season and now he's the assistant general manager which is I needed that help you know more than a lot of people may like to admit because uh, every day um you know with Brooklyn it's about uh, trying to grow the brand and getting out to to different brands and 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 having them become a part of what we're doing. So uh, we take pride in that to have a strong a strong partnership team uh, who comes together weekly and they brainstorm individually and collectively um to help uh, make us more attractive to uh, not only you know current brands that are affiliated with Brooklyn, but you know brands that are that are outside the realm looking to try to get in. Uh, one way or the other, and uh, we've been doing a great job at that. Obviously, we want to look to keep reaching and doing more each and every year, but um, that's definitely uh, something that we target. Uh, Pretty, I mean, you know, average day, though, is just um, getting up, uh, attending to, you know, meetings and everything like that, but setting up uh, scrimmages, um, watching film, uh, pretty much – A lot of the things that go on in the actual physical aspect of the game uh, in in real life, Um, this preparation, uh, I put a lot of weight on my players' shoulders because they've been playing the game at a high level uh, for a long time. And it's just mainly about managing personalities and uh, trying to keep uh, the environment that we need to be competitive at the end of the day. So what's practice like? Is it like you're
2: running plays, you're running, you know, looking at film and... How do you kind of scout opponents and all that?
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times uh, what happens, you know, these players, they put in a lot of individual time, uh, breaking down teams, breaking down players. And then when we come to practice, it's more so us speaking co- uh, collectively together uh, and watching film together, seeing different things. Um, the one thing that we, uh, we've we done and we did it this past season is we involve um, – Coaches uh from our actual staff uh like the long island nets uh coach jimmy oakman uh he you know he plays the game uh, but he also you know he he gave us an outside perspective uh to look at some of the little tedious things that we that we may miss as coaches or they may miss as players and it it turned out to be productive uh a lot of the times, and then you'll realize that uh some of his assessments were on point. Uh, even though he had he doesn't play the game uh, at a at a competition level as the players and even me as uh someone who's observed daily of uh high level pro am games but he still had the same mindset and um uh, and it was just uh, crazy sometimes how he would be on point with what we already know from a day-to-day from watching him and he does not even play the game like that so it just it shows you that you can't have a combination of both uh in order to to add to what you're trying to do as far as game planning in practice um you know me i'm kinda i i vibe with the players um we have a sound system uh in our in our practice facility uh sometimes players like to play the music um so we'll you know we may have a music plan um obviously uh you know we still encourage the players to talk and communicate. And uh, be on one accord, but I, I just um, w- when it's time to be like sometimes when they didn't want music, we didn't listen to it. But most of the time, we you know we vibed out the music, and, and pretty much uh, that kept our adrenaline going throughout most of the day. We practice uh, typically starting at tw- uh, twelve. Um, players would get normally get picked up around. Well, sometimes we we'll start early. Just depends on on how we schedule because what a lot of people don't understand is that there's, there's not a set practice time you pretty much uh, set up your inner your league scrimmages uh based on availability from other teams so sometimes we we'll start as early as 12 but most of the time we get to the studio at one um we will watch film talk about things from one to two and then we'll have scrim blocks from two to four or four to six and sometimes six to eight and um you know at that time, I, I wasn't those who believe like just 2K, 2K, 2K all day, every day. Um, I figure if we go in and we put in a good four to six hours, you know, max, um, it's about what we're doing while we're in the studio. It's not the length of time uh, that we're in there. And um, I think uh, it being in New York, uh, typically uh, when it's, you know, no pandemic or anything like that, it's one of the greatest cities in the world. And you want to, I want them to be able to experience that and, and enjoy it and, and not just it's always just 2K all day, every day.
2: Yeah, I understand that. You know, burnout is tough and, you know, you're pretty much the high stress and the high pressure playing the game. You need to unwind
3: a little bit. No, definitely. Um, I think that's one of the things uh, that a lot of people overlook is that, yeah, you are competing for a lot of money. Uh, But at the same time, you still need to have that balance um, where you're, you know, you're physically rested, mentally rested, and uh, just ready to approach each and every game uh, accordingly. Um, I think for me, I I always like, you know, my peace and my my Zen time is important. and And I think players need, you know, have to understand that too. You can sit and play the game for six to eight hours straight, but if you're not totally focused, and, and locked in the entire time, you know, it's a lot of minutes wasted. So I think me, I like short times, but just make them effective, and uh, that that pretty much worked. Uh, that's been working for me uh, for the last two seasons. Um, although you know, a lot of times you may not get the results that you're looking for or that you want uh, during the game, uh, but you still um, it, it's all about being ready for the moment at the same time and do and in conjunction with the preparation. Uh, that you take you know you still you can play you can you can practice for six to eight hours and then if you're not ready for the two hours uh, when it's game time then you know it, 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 it it's not even worth it it's, it's like it's not even worth it but uh, for me I, I think uh, this past season we did a great job of locking in we you know dropped a lot of games that we we should have possibly won but we were competing in, in every series, and and that's what really uh, mattered at the end of the day. Because if you not, if you can't compete, uh, you don't have a shot at winning.
2: Yeah, if you're just getting blown out, it's just you know it's a, just not going to work at all. Um, right. So yeah, so I know you kind of mentioned that. You know, in addition to two K coaching, you're also you know coach real life basketball. So what are some similarities that you've noticed between you know coaching the NBA two K team and some of the AAU and the other levels that you've you know
3: worked with? Really, when you start to look at it, um, you know, you go from watching these, these players play in the comforts of their own home. And so you, you're only just watching them visually. You're not around them. Uh, so when you finally get around them, you start getting to understand the mentalities and how a lot of players think and, and how obviously the, the good and the great players think versus uh, some of the players who don't perform at that level consistently. And, you know, like this year, I had two players who actually played high school basketball at at a high level and played college basketball as well. And, you you know, with chalk and randoms, you can tell uh, some of the mentalities that that carry over uh, from playing basketball in a live setting versus uh, playing, you know, virtually. And I think for me, that's one of the things that I like uh, to look at is the approach. Of players and and how they, you know, how they prepare and and their mindsets and energy levels and emotions and everything and how it's channeled uh, in playing in the 2K League. And sometimes that, like me, when I coached (laughs) on the sidelines and and actually in real life basketball, I was a more in-your-face, high energy, you know, everything. Uh, I may say a few choice words. Here and there, if I knew that we'll get you going and different things like that but I've always considered myself to be a good manager uh in channeling players' emotions, and that's uh something that I've been trying to uh to, to kind of implement uh in in you know managing G C. it's a little it's different because uh you know two k is more mental than it is uh aside from the physical aspect of being you know, making sure you're eating right, making sure you're rested, uh, making sure you're focused. And obviously, um, you're staring at a, a monitoring screen for a long period of time. Uh, and, you know, thanks to uh, NSGC and, and, and Zenny, um, we've, we, you know, we had a chance to, to have protective eyewear in a sense where that wasn't really a, a problem or issue for us. Uh, but that, you know, those things aside is just, uh making sure that that the players are are in their right mind uh and, and, and being ready to compete. And those are some of the similarities to me, like uh the the just having that that understanding with each and every player and what you expect and and, and what they expect from you in return and and different things like that. Um, those are the, the larger uh similarities. You know, most of the time on on teams you always have your uh you maybe be your one or two star players and you know your high level role players uh after that and i think it's still no different um when you talk about nba 2k league teams it's pretty much the same uh setup a lot of people uh the, the hardest part of managing in that is everybody you know you have instances where everybody thinks they're a star player and they're not i mean it, it just is what it is and I think the sooner you can kind of iron those type of wrinkles out, uh, the more productive team you can have.
2: Okay, so that kind of leads to our next question where I know, you know, being the GM and draft analyst, you're very involved in the player scouting and evaluation process. What are certain things that you kind of look for that maybe other coaches don't? Or something that you think in two K in particular is important
3: that maybe it's not in, you know, regular basketball? I think for me, like um you're aware of this uh just like most is a lot of people use the toxic uh word in it in the community, in the gaming community. But for me, I like to dig a little deeper. Uh when I hear about players uh quote unquote being toxic and it makes me and it's more intriguing to me because I want to see like, you know, maybe the energy level and, and why they act the way they act and why they say what they say and why they do what they do. And I think for me, when I get an understanding of that, uh, it's more um, appealing uh, to me. Because that, that when you get down to the bottom of it, they care. And that's what matters um, at the end of the day. And And if you don't get players who care, about their performance and their teammates' performance, uh, then you you won't have a competitive team you'll just have a bunch of a bunch of players just playing the game. Um, there always has to be uh, some type of leadership involved, and you have to have players who who don't mind every now and then being the being quote unquote the bad guy uh, that has to say the 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 tough. They have to say the tough things that need to be said and have the tough conversations that need to be had. And and if you don't have that, then you're going to struggle at the end of
2: the day. I mean, I think that's a really unique point that you ba- you bring up. A lot of people go, oh, we want easygoing and friendly and, you know, non-toxic and people that kind of go with the flow. But you're coming out here as like you want these, you know, you want a dog that's hungry to win at all costs and not afraid to call someone out and be like, hey, man, you really got to work on your shot. because like. You should not be missing opening shots with the game on the line. This is just not going to work. And, you know, it can really kind of get on other people's cases. And, you know, kids are sensitive. They don't really want teammates telling them, oh, well, you got to do better or, you know, you got to make that shot or, you know, try this or that. So it's you know interesting that you actually look for people that are a bit more abrasive and kind of in your face with how they approach things.
3: Yeah, you know, it's the interesting part about it, Justin, is that a lot of people look at the OG in me and I'm, you know, I, they catching me at a later time in my life. <laughs> when I was younger, you know, I started coaching when I was 18, 19, um, you know, and, and I was coaching young kids then. But as I, when I got out of the military um, in my t- early 20s, um, I got into coaching heavy and, you know, I'm still young. I'm still rambunctious. I, you know, I, I was a more, uh, sometimes uh, more than not uh, speak before I think uh, type of person and player and, and coach. And so a lot of people, they're not, they're not, they, they don't, they obviously didn't see or know me during that time. Uh, so obviously later in the time where I do think uh, before I speak and before I'm acting and, I'm way more chill and laid back and calm, but that was this wasn't always me. Um, so I think that's where a lot of times it gets a little twisted with me is that yeah you know oh gee he probably wants the more conservative uh, type player and, and everything and that, and that's not always it. Um, I mean I think for me I I can relate uh, to players who are you know rambunctious or. Outside the box and, and different things like that. I mean, it, because I know at the end of the day, a lot of that is, like I said earlier, is just feelings and, and care about what they're doing because we're we're we play a game um, that a lot of times people make excuses and they blame the game more than they play. They, they blame the, just the, the total lack of uh, their performance. And I think when, you know, a big a big word is always used, uh, especially uh, in our league and above, is, is just accountability. And you need uh, players that's going to hold themselves accountable, but most importantly, hold uh, their teammates accountable. Because at the end of the day, one of the big differences in, in, in coaching uh, in the 2K League and actually coaching in a real-life setting is that I can sub players out, uh, multiple players out, and – if, you know, if you show up and you're not ready to play uh, that day, uh, you can you can be sitting right on the on bench. The bench. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but in the 2K League, that's not an option. Uh, so, to, you know, you have to rely on uh, the state of, of the team each and every time you go out um, because you don't have those type of options. So for mine, it's like you need players that's going to be totally engaged. Uh, like I said, totally holding themselves accountable in and, and holding their teammates accountable at that. And and I think that's a, a big ingredient into having uh, to manage players. You know, you catching, you got some, you know, you have players as young as 18, some as old as, you know, 24, 23 that I've coached, um, and even some, you know, a little in their mid-20s. And not everybody's at the same maturity level, of course, um, and that can be at any age. And, you know, and, do, and saying that is that you just have to, to learn how to channel each and every player. And, and the biggest challenge is that we're only talking uh, a, five, a six to five month period. And I say five, obviously the season last six, but that first month is kind of like uh, the, 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 the introductory phase where you're, you know, learning each other, getting a feel for each other. But after that first month or two, it's like, you know what you're dealing with and, you know, what are the best, the most effective ways in order to deal with each other in order for us to be a successful team. And that's a lot of challenges that goes into that. Yeah,
2: I mean, we definitely have seen some of it, but I know there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes that, you know, one day there'll be a tell-all, hopefully 10 years from now, when the league is in five, you know, 60 teams across all the continents of the world. But you know then another really interesting thing and something that I particularly love so what's draft day like what is it like you know <laughs> scouting players and you know it's kind of like a fantasy draft where you have picks and you don't know who's going to go and you have your draft
3: board this is the thing um, it's really it, it it's it's a it's a crazy day <laughs> like crazy i mean i think um i've been to I, well, i've been to all three drafts now Uh, Obviously, the last two drafts uh, were more important to me because uh, I was heading the team uh, and and had heavy influence on, well, actually, all the influence on basically what happens. Um, Even though, like I said, in my second season, um, I had YL to be by my side and assist. I used to always tell him, no matter what, I'll take the heat (laughs) if if we're not successful or whatever. I mean, it, it just comes with the territory. And I, and I own that, um but it's crazy because you know you interview all these players, you don't know who's gonna fall where who's going where um you, of course you have in mind um how you want to try to build your team out, but at the same time all with every pick it can it can shift it, everybody's bored and it causes them uh it causes other teams to to go into a uh, you know, plan B, plan C quicker uh, than probably they wanted. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, it that's what makes it interesting because nobody knows uh, what's going to happen. And then when certain things start happening, it's like uh, it basically uh, either it makes other teams day and then on the other end, it, it, it creates a nightmare <laughs> for other teams. So um, obviously, um, you know, the first year uh, we drafted an expansion draft, and then, following that, our first, our earliest first round pick was at twelve. And then this season, um, in season three, you know, we had um, where we basically finished 7 and nine the year before, and we were in position to pick in the top ten. Um, so you know, it it just it, it, everything shifts, and obviously, the the longer um, the season, the the two K league goes, um, teams get added. Um, that throws different elements into it. People trading draft picks and different things like that. Um, so it's just uh, overall, it was pretty crazy. The, the, the first season we were in, the season two, it was great. It was at the Barclays, uh, our home turf. Uh, we got our own war room, actually, set in the same uh, offices that um, you know the head, the coaches, and everybody sit into when they're uh, talking and game planning and different stuff like that. So we had that experience. Uh, season three wasn't as generous because um, you know, it was at I think Terminal Five and basically they didn't have room for uh to have a war room. So I basically was posted up at Barclays Center uh, YYL was actually on uh on the scene at the draft and we were just communicating nonstop uh throughout that time. But um overall, I mean I think drafts are it's the highlight of our league. Um it, it, you know, it's it's one it's the one of it, only of its kind. Uh so it's definitely a, a great day for for many and then a, a painful day for a, a, a lot of uh players who don't, you know, get a chance to walk across that stage and, and become a part of the NBA two K League. But overall it's uh, it's an emotional roller coaster, but it, it's worth uh every second of that day. Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty awesome. I the
2: the thing I can equate it to is like a fantasy football draft. where It's like, okay, I'm drafting this running back. I'm drafting this running back. Oh no, he's gone. So now I gotta grab this stud wide receiver, and now your whole draft is thrown out because you got a wide receiver earlier when you wanted to get a running back, and you know, it just kind of starts down that rabbit hole.
3: Yeah, the funny story, uh, season two, uh, we had draft. We drafted Wavy uh, with our 12th pick, and then our the next round. Um, we were looking um, to go pro- we were probably looking to go with another guard early. Uh, but then Shuttles uh, was on the board and we wasn't expecting him uh, to be on the board. And so those are the type things that happen on that, that happen on draft day. You know, you, you go in one way and then thinking like, oops, like a player that you didn't expect to be available is now all of a sudden available. So, uh, we When we actually drafted him, uh, he was sitting uh, actually in the classroom. Uh, he was taking a test. <laughs> he <laughs> didn't even know he was drafted. Uh, so those are kind of like some of the funny stories that, um, that happen that, that go on during draft time. And obviously this year, um, you know, uh, it, was, it was most of the, the draftees were in uh, attendance, but then you do have cases where a lot of, uh, some draft picks, they stay at home, you know, uh, future prospects, they stay at home and, you know, they want to enjoy that time with family and friends and different things like that. So, uh, but that was one of the unique stories that's always going to stand out uh, during my time uh, in the 2 K league. All
2: right. That's so a little inside the draft room information. That might be the first person to know that. So take <laughs> note on that. So what's yeah. it like working with the Barclays and the Nets? You know, it's such an amazing arena and such a great organization.
3: Yeah, I think the, the thing about it for us is that we, um, the, we I think, the, you know, the Bar- Barclays Center is an iconic place, um, especially in, in, in New York period, but in Brooklyn especially. Um, so the idea of getting up every day, Um, and going to work at the Barclays Center is like crazy. I mean, when you think about it, it's the same, same place where a lot of, um, historic events have been held. Um, you know, obviously the actual NBA team plays there. Um, the Liberty now plays there. So, um, it's just crazy to think about it. And, um, I, most of the time it felt like a dream every time that I go in there, um, you know, a lot of times I have them open up uh, a suite for me. Um, if I have to do like individual things, where I don't want to knock the vibe of the players while they're in the actual studio, um, I'll go in there and do a lot of things. So I'm just sitting out, looking, um, at the you know arena and different things like that. Uh, obviously, when games are going on, um, it's a great uh, electric place to be. Um, and it just uh, food staff, is delicious. Oh yeah. And I was about to get to that. Um, you know, just having access to, um, a lot of times it just, um, you know, being certain parts of the Barclays Center that only, uh, most of the esteemed, uh, fans and, and people, um, you know, have access to is great. Um, the staff is great. Um, I've developed uh, a lot of different relationships with, uh, you know, security, um, just every, all, all the staff that uh, work at Barclays, so, um, it's just great. Uh they treat us uh like, you know, another part of the family. Uh so it's been great. Um aside from that, um I I have options uh to go uh to the actual BSE uh global headquarters, uh that's located in uh Brooklyn in the industrial city. And um it's great to go there. Um, obviously more professional setting. Uh still laid back, uh great environment. Um I, I don't know, it's just um A lot of people would think that I would be talking uh, like I would just be making stuff up. But actually, since I've been uh, employed at at BSE Global, I haven't like everybody's approach to Nets GC and just in general what they do on a daily basis in their own job affiliated with the Brooklyn Nets. Like everybody just seems like they're in a they're in a place where they that's where they want to be. And just like myself. And it's like. When you're around people like that, the, the vibes are great. The energy is great. You, most of the time, you're, you, you come, you're productive in what you're doing. And I think that matters. Um, you know, we, like I said, I spoke about partnerships teams earlier. Um, you know, just to name a few, like Nick Haney, who, who leads the charge on a lot of things. But Ryan McCabe, uh, Seth, uh, Pat, uh, David, um, they all play a, a big part in, in what we do away from the game. And they they play the game as well, um, so it, it helps. And uh, they've learned a lot of things along the way about the game. And uh, us personally, um, on on the business side of it, I've I get to learn a, a lot of different things uh, in regard that. So it's like the the perfect uh, partnership. And Joshua Press, uh, who's the senior vice president um, at BSC Global Partnerships, he um, he does a great job in in you know helping me. Uh, become a better manager, a better person, and uh, just overall thinker. Um, whether it's inside the box or outside the box, I just I like how how we move as a unit, and um, it, it's just uh, it's just been a great place. And I mean that, and I I mean that. Like I said, it, you know, one of the big parts of uh, having a dream job is is just it being in a dream place, and Brooklyn has has just been ideal for me.
2: Also, I mean, it sounds amazing. So I know you're also involved in the NBA 2K League's Women Development Camp. So tell us a little about that and, you know, what the future is for that.
3: Well, last last year, uh, the NBA 2K League, they brought out 15 uh, female gamers. And it was a great developmental camp uh, for them uh, to learn more from the actual GMs and coaches of the league. And um, they brought out a lot of great speakers. Um, just had great presentations on, on a lot of different things regarding uh, women in gaming. So I thought it was a great event. Um, unfortunately we didn't have it this year, um, you know, obviously due to everything that's going on with COVID, but I de- definitely hope that it's something that, uh circle back around. Um, you know we have we've held a lot of different training sessions. Uh, they got to compete on the on the actual stage and uh, with the league build and and just uh, getting a lot of just different informations from not only gyms and coaches, but we had two uh, k league players come in and uh, help and assist uh, with with different uh, activities and stuff like that. So I think we're just trying to bridge that gap. Uh, between women who play 2K and uh, the actual league. And I, I think it's something that's needed. And like I said, I look forward to it, uh, you know, to it growing and being something that that's done yearly. Uh, once we can, you know, get the world back uh, <laughs> rotating in its normal, uh, to its normal uh, rotation, uh, I think it's something that's going to be good for women who that's in the community, but also the league itself.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that it's really important and you see a lot of other organizations kind of focus on, you know, this gender gap. A lot of women play all kinds of games and they're obviously not as represented on the professional level. And, you know, it's nice to see the NBA and the NBA 2K League really kind of putting a spotlight on this and trying to figure out ways to kind of increase the number of females in the league.
3: Yeah. The one thing I like to always say, even in that is like our league is young. Our e is young. We have obviously players who've been playing 2K for a long time. Uh, some, you know, got in season one, more got in season two and a lot more got in season three. And it's just something that if this is uh, truly what you want to do, you just, you know, don't quit. Uh, you keep, you keep fighting, keep grinding, keep getting better, keep learning the game. Um obviously, you know, all the all the while while building uh a brand and um you know, what that's attractive and appealing and and blend that uh, with your skill set and and just uh keep believing it it, it it can happen. Um because a lot, you know, I I think back to and I always use this story is that I was You know, I wasn't officially in the league uh, season one. You know, I I had to still, it was still dues I had to pay in order to get to where I'm at. So I'm one of those who not just, you know, talking the talk. You know, I walked it and and lived it too. And I was one of those who was uncertain uh, whether I would be doing this, uh, you know, as a GM or coach or or anything. But the one thing I didn't do is I didn't stop doing uh, what got me uh, to the door. I mean, a lot of times, people, you know, we have to get out of these feelings of being entitled and think that just because we're good at something that like is old uh, because it's not. I mean, it's obviously thousands uh, and and you know millions of people who play the game uh, that are going to pursue uh, the 2K league at some point, point. and uh, it becomes a survival of the fittest. I mean. You know, we're everybody's a candidate until they're selected. And and that's kind of the mindset that, that we have to have about it is that, you know, just because you're a candidate doesn't mean you're guaranteed. And, and you know, it's, it's something that I, I just want uh, players or prospects to, to keep fighting and keep working at it if that's what you want to do. I think there's going to be more than enough opportunities available uh, at some point in time and you just have to be ready. Uh, to receive that opportunity when it comes. Yep. everyone
2: hear that some OG two cents, you know, don't give up and never stop hustling. And, you know, that kind of brings us to our next point. So tell us a little bit about the podcast that you host, you know,
3: how did it start and you know, what's the future of it? Well, uh, the OG two cents podcast stemmed from the Twitter segment uh, that I had started. Um, I never take full credit for it because uh, when you're around like-minded people, they they uh, they have a tendency to, to elevate your mind and, and creativity and get you uh, in positions that you didn't even know uh, would exist. But uh, after season one, uh, the finals, uh, me, uh, Black Frank White, uh, who's the NBA 2K League Community Ambassador, uh, Nick Gartrell, um, who I mentioned earlier, who's the head, who's now the head coach for T-Wolves Gaming, but uh, Tom Jelani Mitchell, who's the head coach, actually, you know, coach of the year uh, this year for uh, Jazz Gaming. We were sitting on the rooftop. None of us were in the league. Uh, we were all aspiring to be in the league uh, to, to some capacity. Uh, and he was, you know, that was like, you know, Kurt, everybody kind of like looks up to you and respects you, but you're not that visual. Or on on Twitter, on social media, and I actually wasn't like. I mean, I was to a degree when I was promoting the MPBA and different things like that. But personally, I wasn't on social media a lot. I wasn't engaging or anything like that. Um, So I just one day I just tweeted out something uh, that I thought would be inspirational, and I just hashtagged the OG Two Cents. I, I can't even remember like what even made me do that, but. Um, after a few days that went by, uh, it picked up a lot of traction. Like a lot of people, uh, in the community was liking it and it became something that they looked for forward to, uh, you know, on a weekly basis and different things like that. Um, cause typically the OG two Sense is just my thoughts on particular, uh, things that's going on around me or I witnessed from other people. Um, so once that uh, started picking up, I, I, I started putting, I got a graphic for it with the little OG two cents coin. Uh, I got the video animation now for it. And uh, it's just something when people see it, they kind of know like, you know, OG's been doing some some thinking and some observing. And uh, I kind of I told myself after a year or so with the tweets, uh, the way it was picking up engagements. I know a lot of times I would tweet things and people wouldn't always understand what I was talking about. So at that point it was like well you know maybe I need to put this in a podcast format. Uh so a lot of times uh, I would have a platform to openly uh talk about uh some of the tweets and different things like that and along with it um came um you know a chance for me uh to interview people and have them tell their stories which uh the stories I would think that are motivational, inspirational and positive. And that's always been my brand I thought it was on it was perfectly uh on target uh and uh here we are um 30 episodes in uh after starting this February uh where I've had a lot of you know interesting people uh, from you know the the multimedia world at WNBA uh player you know a player that's aspiring to be in the NBA, in the NBA um, just a lot of different people, uh, major figures that's in uh, obviously the 2K League and different things like that. So, um, and everybody has a story, and I, and I just wanted it to be a platform that I think where people could come on and tell their story, and hopefully, like I said, to, to motivate and inspire you know people that um, don't have that the voice or don't have you know the platform uh, that I do. And I just want to be able to share that with them and hopefully hopefully uh, shed some light on them and and give them that motivation that they may need to to uh, to elevate themselves on whatever it is that they're trying to do. Awesome. So, you know,
2: at this point, I kind of like to wrap up each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? Favorite game to watch. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I think I know this one, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it, 2K uh, has my heart. Um, obviously, I, you know, I, I it's what I do on a daily basis. But I mean, if I wanted to get outside the box a little bit, is um, you know, before they banned it or took it off the market, was uh, college football. I used to I used to be a big NCAA football fan. I like Watch it, I like playing it, and different things like that. Uh, but yeah, of course, Two K is is uh okay, it's so where it's it
2: right game. now. Yeah. So, what's your favorite game to play? I presume Two K. Is there, is
3: there anything else you like to? Uh, you know, I, I of course it's Two K. Um, that's the only game that I've ever really uh, had from on a yearly basis that I actually play. But I tell myself I want to. I want to play the PGA. 2K Tour or that game. Okay, some golf. Yeah. I think eventually I'm going to get it and start playing it.
2: Okay. So, who's your favorite video game character? Mario,
3: Luigi, Pikachu, you know? Uh, You know what? Considering the fact that I'm in in gaming stature, I am considered an old head. (laughs) But uh, I think. I, I, I'd say Sonic is one of my uh, okay. favorite characters uh, that when I first started, obviously when I, Super Mario Brothers is legendary, Pac-Man, uh, Miss Pac-Man, different stuff like that. But I liked Sonic. When Sonic came on the scene, it was a cool-looking character. It was something fresh, something new, um, and it was different, and I liked it. Awesome.
2: So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you.
3: Yes. uh, First, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Always a pleasure. Anytime I get to get on uh, anybody's platform and share my story. But uh, you can catch me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at OG King Kurt. Um, Also, the OG Two Cents podcast. uh, You can follow on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at the OG Two Cents podcast and on Twitter. I mean on YouTube at the OG Two Sense Podcast as well.
2: Awesome. So you know, thanks again everybody for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcast for all our past episodes.